we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, uh, so you can turn there, but I, I have a few thoughts. I've been waiting for six weeks to speak on this series. Um, I have been thinking about this message since I pitched the idea last year to pastor, to pastor. so um, it, it's one that I've been excited about and sitting on the plane last night, I flew in from D.C. and I was just thinking through and processing things and uh, it felt like I was the only one on the plane. It felt like no one was around me. So I'm excited about this morning. And I mean, I'm excited about the Holy Spirit and the life of our church and what we're doing and where we're going. And I mean, have you enjoyed this series? Have you gotten anything out of it? All right. So with that, how has has anyone seen or felt or, or expected the Holy Spirit to move in their life in the past few weeks? Have Does anybody have anything good to say uh, about it or, or an experience? If not, we can come back next week. Um, we, we want to look for those things. I always think of um, one of my friends, he, he said he, he struggled with the idea of, of um, he didn't feel like God was blessing him, uh, he, but he, he wanted to see that more often. So every day he sat down and he wrote one day that he felt God, one way that he felt God blessed him. And he, he was out of the country for a season and he was doing some missions work. And he said by the end of his trip, he would feel page after page from every single day of how he simply saw God blessing him and, and was at work in his life. And it's not necessarily that God's not at work. It's the way we see it, right? It's the way we see things. If we're expecting God to show up, if we're expecting God to move and um yeah, just this past week, um, uh, I got to go to D.C. for a few days and, and just unwind with a good buddy of mine, and uh, it was his 30th birthday, so we just um, hung out there for a few days, and he's like, man, I've been wanting to travel with you for a long time because you always seem to have the craziest stories when you get home. And uh, I was like, I don't know what to tell you, it just happens. It just happens, and sure enough, we came out of the Capitol tour, and we ended up right in the middle of a protest of a couple thousand students, and I was like, I don't know how it happens, it just happens. And I started taking pictures, and then yesterday we got to go to Arlington and uh, just be there for Veterans Day, and I mean, what, what, a, um, like what a perspective change. And, you know, there's no political party, there's no fighting, there's no arguing, there's the simple idea of sacrifice and all those who've given their lives. And um, we got there and he, he started yelling at me because I was dragging and because I wanted to take pictures, but we missed getting to where we needed to go. We literally saw the trolley leaving to, to go and it was a speech with uh, Vice President Pence and um, we missed it and he was upset at me and whatever. We end up standing on a sidewalk talking and then sure enough, who drives by but Mike Pence. Um, so I was like, just stick with me. So when you expect good things to happen, guess what? Good things happen. But so often we, when we come to life, uh, we, uh, we, we don't live life to the fullest. We're more so we're drowned by life. We're looking for something to go wrong. We're looking for things to not work right. I mean, the best time is when we come to church is when we can dump everything that's going on in our lives on other people so that way we feel justified about where we feel, where we're at in our life. It's going to be a good message. Stick with me. But isn't that what we do so often and so many times we spend more time talking about what's wrong than what's right. You know, it should never be an issue of if, is the glass half full or half empty. It should be my glass is overflowing. You know, it should be that God is at work in my life. And, you know, as I begin to think and begin to prepare about this and, and looking back of, you know, I mean, I've been in church literally since 
the day I began as a as a person as um, <laughs> and it's seeing trends of the Holy Spirit throughout my entire life. I can remember growing up in first assembly and Jonathan would always reenact the the uh, elderly women dancing down the aisles with their flags. You know, I, I've seen people rolling on the floors. I, I I got stuck on a video the other night because you know when it's midnight and you can't sleep, YouTube is the best place to go. And it was in from 1996, and it was um, uh, uh, Kenneth Hagen um, at at Rama Church. And the video was an hour and 20 minutes, and an hour and 19 was people laughing. You know, it was. I don't understand it. I was sitting in my, my bed, uh, and I was like, what is happening right now? Because I, I can't grasp this. But we see trends, if we would, even in the church world, of the Holy Spirit and how it moves, right? You growing up, when you hear the word revival, or even now when you hear the word revival, you flash back, if you've been in service or been in church for a while, and you think of the good old days, right? Of, of people rolling on the floor, people dancing, or, or who knows... Um, uh, of, of what happened. But if you look at it, we, like I said, we can see trends and it almost becomes we follow the trend rather than follow the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's look at it. The, the trend right now is prophecy and being prophetic. That is a trend within the church. That is, in, in my age group and, and, and young people, that's what they want to do. Everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to be prophetic. And if we're not careful, then we follow that aspect of the Holy Spirit, but we miss the whole picture, and what we're following is empty, because without the Holy Spirit, that is nothing. Right? Um, and I, I've, I've learned in my own life, and even in relationships, and, and, and man, it's like, I started reading this book by a guy by the name of Donald Miller, and uh, it's like... It's like, I, I think he wrote the book for me, <laughs> and I'm like, why did you do this? Like, I don't want to finish reading this book because what you're saying is true. And it's like, I don't want to continue to go on, so I just push the book away. It's taken me about six months to get through six chapters. Um, but as I begin to think about it, it's relationships and how we deal with people and how we deal with each other. And, and I think it can equate to even how we deal with the Holy Spirit. And he says this, and he says, the problem is in life, many times when it comes to our relationships with people and even relationships with God, we are never satisfied with our accomplishments, and we secretly believe that nobody will love us unless we're perfect. We do that in our friendships, we do that in our marriages, we do that as parents, we do that in our relationship with God. We have this idea that we have to paint this facade that we're perfect, that we can't admit that, oh man, we messed up, or oh man, I'm actually processing this, and, and I'm actually dealing through this and going through this. Because here's the thing, grace only sticks to our imperfections. Grace is only needed when there's imperfections. So those who can't accept their imperfections can't accept grace either. And see, that's the other thing is the other trend. We want to turn to the right and say, you know, there's people who just preach grace and you can do whatever you want and you can live this life, whatever. And there's a fine line. There, there is a fine line because the fact is, is you can go through life. And when you come to Jesus, like sin is no longer an issue. When you accept Jesus Christ... As your Savior, you get the fullness of Jesus. And sin should no longer dictate your relationship with Jesus. Because it's dead. It's gone. 
And grace covers everything, but that doesn't give us the permission to go out and do whatever we want, whenever we want to make ourselves feel good. But that does give us the opportunity to live in freedom and know that I can walk through life, that there's still imperfections that are being perfected in me, but there's grace that covers it. Because so often, even when we come to it, uh, it's, it's when we mess up or when we sin or, or, or when things happen, we, we think that everything's eradicated and, and we, we're back to ground zero. We're knocked back down. That's not the case. We simply pick up and we keep walking. Because when God sees us, He sees His Son. It's not Jesus dies every time we mess up. But we're under grace. And that's where the Holy Spirit begins to come in. Because it's not just about power, but literally it's about everyday living and how we walk through life. It's our ever-present help in time of need. It's, it's that conviction on the inside of you. It's that moving to say, man, I want to go further. I want to go deeper. How do I get there? It's by the Holy Spirit's help. If we're not careful, we begin to develop a mindset that, that people are out to get us. Oh man, they're just, I can't believe they do this. I can't believe they do that. It's causing us to wonder and we begin to distrust and we expect the worst in everyone. How often do we do that? Being in D.C. this week, like I said, it was, man, it's an absolutely beautiful place. One of my favorite places to go. And when you're out walking the National Mall and the Washington Monument and everything around you, I mean, you can't help but take pride in our country. Man, like, wow. Like, there's no, uh, there's no parties involved there's no elephants or donkeys um, running around Um, there's no nothing it's simply our country but yet our our conversation began to struck up it almost mars everything it ruins everything when we think about the craziness that we live in but when we begin to dive deeper in this we, we we distrust everyone if we're not careful we think that god is a republican and we think that all Democrats are going to hell. We think as a Christian, we can't interact with a Democrat. It's true. How often have we said, well, they're just a Democrat, so whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an easy place to get in. We begin to believe the worst in everyone, and we begin to distrust everyone. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, if you watch the news long enough, you're going to begin to distrust people of another race. You're going to begin to distrust uh, refugees who are in our country. You're going to begin to distrust this because this is all you hear. And this is all you see when the fact is, is that they're human. And Jesus died for them just as much as he died for me. And, you know, God loves them. And we're simply here to serve people and be with people. Somewhere along the way, we believe into the lie that we only matter if... We only matter if we're strong. We only matter if we're smart. We only matter if we're whatever. If we can only bring something to the table. When that's not the case. That's not the case. I've been reading Galatians 5 for the past several weeks. And man, it's just... There's so much within it. And even this morning, got up and, and reading it and, and looking over it. We're going to start in verse 16 in Galatians chapter 5. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Asia Minor. So we got to remember that Paul is writing this to the church. Paul is writing this to who? The church. So uh, it's key and it's important because throughout Galatians chapter 5, he mentions the word free almost every other sentence. It seems like He's like, God has called... And you know, to give you this life to live free, to live free, you're free. 
And it's like, man, he keeps pounding that in. And we're going to pick up in, in verse 16. And uh, it says this right off the bat. My counsel is this. What live bound? No. Live freely. And I love this. Animated and motivated by God's spirit. I mean, that means that wherever I go, wherever I walk, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to expect things to happen. I'm going to expect good things to happen. I'm going to expect favor in my workplace. Why? Not because I'm going to, you know, get by with as little as possible, but I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my diligence and I'm going to bring what I have to the table and I'm going to live freely and animated and motivated by the spirit of God. Why? Because we were once dead and now we're alive. So that way I have life so I can continue to live animated and motivated. I mean, how amazing is that? Uh, It says, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Why? Because you're always interacting with other people. You're always engaged. I mean, we're, we're never selfish, right? Uh-huh. For there's a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as pastor said, there's the old us and there's the new us and there's a constant battle on the inside of, of what am I going to do and, and it's what you feed most is what's going to win. Um, so how are you going to, what are you feeding? You know, what, what are, what's going on? Uh, it says these two ways of, of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Have you ever tried to do that? I've tried to do that. That is exhausting. That is it, it, life overwhelms you. That is not fun. It, it, it doesn't work. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? So we're going to go to um, verse 19. It says, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Now we have to remember, Paul is writing this to the church. Not to people outside the church. Not to people who don't know Jesus. Paul is writing this to the church. So he's saying trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage accumulating mental and emotional garbage now this is people in the church Uh, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness trinket gods magic show religion paranoid loneliness cutthroat competition in the church all-consuming yet never satisfied wants a brutal temple temper and impotence to love or be loved divided homes and divided lives Small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And then he says, I could go on. There's still more to it. I mean, we could go and break down the list of all of this stuff. Uh, man, these are things that I can say I, I've dealt with. I, sometimes I do get angry. So how do I, I process this? uncontrolled and an uncontrollable addiction, ugly parodies of community, making a false sense of community, saying you're not really doing life together at all. It's just a, a facade that when you come in, you act as if you're all happy, but when you go out, you're, you're backstabbing and talking about everyone. It's just a fake community in the church. Like I said, we could go on. Paul could go on. That's rough. That's a lot. Man. We'll go, we'll go on to the next verse. I said, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. 
I love how they plan. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know. <laughs> like, you know. Here we are again. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Wow. Verse 22. This is, but what happens when we live God's way? I love it because he didn't just stop there. He said he brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Oh man. A sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that lasts, uh, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Have you ever met someone who just fights for everything in life? That no matter what they do, like you, that it's just the way you've grown up. You, know, it, you, just, you have to fight. You have to prove yourself. I have to make my point made. I have to be at the top. You just fight for it, and they bully themselves in. And you're like, if you just calm down, things would work so much better. Man, it's, it's amazing how if we begin to live God's way, this is also the fruit of the Spirit, but, but it's in the message. It, 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 it's amazing what happens. I mean, if we look back at that other chapter or the other section of, of things that, that Paul was saying, man, it, how much it affects us, right? It's, it's us. It's all about me. It's all about, man, cutthroat competition. I'm going to be number one. Uh, false community and all these things. It's all about us. But as I begin to look at this, this is all about on the outside, and it lines it up right there at the beginning. It says, um, uh, much of the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Now, I've been around trees. I've been around fruit trees. I've been around apple trees and many other trees and any plant that produces fruit, for that matter. But I never see them out in the field trying their best to produce fruit. <laughs> You don't see an orange out there, or an orange tree out there shaking, doing all that it can to squeeze out an orange, right? No, no. You simply see it's in the right environment. It's in the right community, if you would. It, it, it finds itself amongst others. I mean, take a pecan tree. A pecan tree can't produce on its own, right? It has to be within a certain radius of other pecans to produce anything. And it's the same way with Christians. We can't do it on our own. For one, we're, we're not an island, we're community. We have to be together. And, and it's more so, it's if we find ourselves in a healthy place with everything that we need that's provided to us, then the fruit happens. It simply happens. It simply happens. So you say, well, what does that mean in my life? It means quit striving for things. Quit trying to force your way in with God and simply be yourself. You know, there's this, uh, I was reading this thing and it was, um, uh, it's the same book and it, it, it had a bullseye. It had three circles. And uh, it, it was, um, the first circle was who I really am. Like this is the core, who I really am. Um, you know, it's like the person that you want to be. That person you wanted to be when you were a child. You're like, man, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. And then Something happened. Something happened along the way. 
whatever it may be. And the, the next ring is shame. And that's the shame uh, that began to change things, that caused us to begin to, to hide who we really wanted to be. It's the way we deal with things. And then, and then the third circle is how we act to cover those things up. Uh, we, we have to act to cover our shame up because we're not really who we're called to be or what we're meant to be. You know, it can be from little things. Um, and once again, in this book, Donald Miller began to tell how um, his life, he, he's always been an actor. He's always been in front of people. He's always lived for people's applause. And he's a successful author. And, and this is what got him to that point. But he said one day he was reminded of a story of when he was a child. And, and he came into class and, and he had a problem where he would wet himself. And he was in, like, in elementary school and he accidentally wet himself he didn't make it to the bathroom in time and so he put his coat over his his pants and he was sitting there in music class and um, he said it was just a matter of time and then the kid beside him uh, put something you know covered his note and then moved and then the other kid moved and the other kid moved and before they knew it the teacher realized what happened and he stood up and um, to say it wasn't him but he forgot his jacket wasn't tied around him so he stood up in front of the entire class where and everyone could see that he wet his pants and he ran out of the class classroom and he said from that moment on he was always an actor because he wanted to show his best side he said because he didn't want people to laugh at him or make fun of him he wasn't his truest self and it begins to snowball and and i bet we could sit down and begin to process in our lives of things that's happened to us and it seems so small now but then our life on this end it's snowballed and gotten into something so much bigger and it's a coping mechanism, and we've never dealt with what we've gone through, but yet it's, this is how we find ourselves now. So it's how do we get to that? How do we get to that point? It's by the Holy Spirit coming and moving and working in our lives. It's by opening ourselves up. I love that God simply says, I am, in the Old Testament, because that's all He has to say. Because that's who He is. He is everything we need. I love that God is the, the right now God, the anytime God, that we can be sitting on an airplane and, and simply meet with God, that we can be doing the dishes and simply meet with God, that we can be cutting the grass even in the cold. You may look a little strange, um, but we can meet with God and He just begins to work inside of us. Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit at work. I think if we're not careful, we, we can shut the Holy Spirit out because once again, we think... It has to move this way. This is the way I've always seen it move. But the truth of the matter is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit at work is this. This is what is said. So when we can see joy and peace and hope in our lives, we can know that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. So how are we dealing with things? How are we processing things? How are you looking through things? We're going to go to the next verse. Says legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good. It's crucified. Everything connected with getting our own way and mindless responding is crucified. Go to the next verse. Says since this is the kind of life we have chosen. The life of the Spirit. Let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but we, but we work out its implications in every detail of our lives. 
in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. I mean, that right there. We could highlight that because I think every single one of us along the way, we have done that. You know, we have said, man, I should be better at this or I should do this. When, listen, God is at work in your life and he's ministering to you and he's called you for who you are. It says we have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. We should go get tattoos all on the back of our neck that says one of one. (laughs) Authentic. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. uh, And and that's where it ends. Um, Each of us is an original. Each of us is an original. So that's how we can relate with the Holy Spirit. That it's not an idea. He doesn't move in a certain way, but he meets us and moves where we're at. Why? Because he's cared about the outside. About the outside. Uh, about reaching out to other people. And I love the idea that it's fruit. Begin to think about this. What benefit does the fruit actually have for the tree? Nothing. There's a seed. There's a possibility of reproducing, right? But otherwise, there's no... What's, I mean, what's the point of a tomato plant continuing to produce tomatoes? It, it just happens. It, it goes out. It's for, it's for other things, right? And the more I begin to think about this, and the more I begin to think about the Holy Spirit at work in my life, and yes, it's, a, it's about things that He's doing inside of me, but more so it's about outside of me and the people that we're called to reach. It's, it's about living a joy. I mean, what's joy if you're locked up in a room by yourself? I mean, that may be joy, you know, because you're finally away from everybody. Um, but, but what's peace? What's not getting angry with people if it's simply all by yourself? But it's for reaching other people. You know, fruit is it's for those to, to, to reproduce, to make disciples who make disciples, to, to see people come to know Jesus. But it's, it's for people who are hungry. It's for people who who need something, who, who need something greater in their lives. That's the fruit. That's the essence of the Holy Spirit. So often we treat God like the golden corral. You know, when you go to the golden corral, you don't get just enough to make you full. <laughs> like, you, you're going to get to the point where you have to unbutton your pants. Like, I paid fourteen ninety five for this. I'm going to get fourteen ninety five worth. Like, I'm going to stick a chicken wing or two in my pocket if I have to. I mean, you get two cones of ice cream. Never in your life would you do that. It's like when you go into the restaurant, all barriers break loose. I mean, they have a chocolate fondue. Um, but so often we treat God that same way. Is It's all about me. I'm going to come in and I'm going to get every single thing I can from God. And I'm just going to put it all on the plate and I'm going to stack it up. And then, I mean, what? When you, after you eat the golden crowd, you don't go for a run. You, know, you go into a coma, you know, and it, it's but on, it's the same way as when we come with God. We come in and we stuff ourselves so full we become lazy and we don't use it for what it's meant to be used for. That's not the same way with God. He's 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 given us these things he, to to keep us to where we can be on the move, where we can continually to produce fruit. Why? Because people need to know about Jesus. 
That's why. That's why the Holy Spirit is active and involved in our lives. Why? Because people need to know about Jesus. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit, I mean, speaking of in, in tongues, you're speaking in things that, that you don't even know about. But guess what? You're most likely praying for somebody else who needs it in that moment. When you begin to, to prophesy and speak over people's lives, what are you doing? You're doing it to lift them up and to edify them. Why? Because Jesus loves them and he's got a message for them. That's what the Spirit of God is doing at work in us. Why? Because it's for other people. So, this week when you go through, go buy yourself an orange and, and, and put it out to where you can see it. And be like, you know what? I'm producing fruit. I'm producing fruit. You know, if we look at the par- we have to be careful though. If we look at the parable of the fig tree. You know, when Jesus comes by and the, the fig tree is three years old and, and hasn't produced any fruit. We can see something important. We can see that the fig tree has grown. So growth is not necessarily connected to the Holy Spirit because it wasn't producing fruit. That's one thing as a pastor uh, I I think about and pray often. Would we know as a staff if the Holy Spirit didn't show up here? Because otherwise that's a problem. If we can do church without the Holy Spirit directing and guiding us, then we have growth that's not sustaining fruit. But we need fruit. Amen? Why? Because it's about reaching, reproducing, and being a light to the community. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray real quick. God, we just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for who you are, what you do, and how great you are in our lives. So God, I pray for each person here today. God, that uh, even as we leave today, that God, we can see you. We can expect to see you move in our lives. And God, that we get put in, in, in situations where we see your hands. God, let us be a light into our community. God, let, let, let us reach people and love people. God, we pray that your spirit continues to fill us. God, as we pursue you as a body, God, we can continue to make the right decisions to produce fruit. God, because we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen.